In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who does give us something to be sure about this Christmas. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a story that is told by this woman who kept her name, her real name anyway, uh, sort of anonymous. And and you'll kind of get the sense of of why that is. Uh, When she grew up, uh, she said that her name was uh, Sarah Cascione. And and that's uh, how she grew up. Most of her life, at the beginning of her life, she grew up knowing herself as Sarah. Uh, She knew, uh, everybody else knew her as Sarah. And uh, she lived that way as Sarah Cascione up until about third grade. And uh, around third grade, she came home one day, and she was playing around in her bedroom when all of a sudden she heard other voices downstairs. And as she heard those other voices downstairs, she kind of tiptoed downstairs to see what was happening. And there, uh, there in her kitchen, she saw some men with her father, and her father was being handcuffed by these men. Her father, Frank Cascione, who had run a mattress business as far as what she could remember all of his life and all of her life, all of a sudden is in her kitchen and is being handcuffed by these strange men. And so she she asked her mother, what's happening here? And her mother says, well, don't worry about it. They're just filming a movie. And uh, to which she said she knew that there was something not right about that because there were no cameras. And her father ends up going away for a while. He ends up going away for about four months. And uh, she doesn't really get many real answers about what it is that brought her father to be arrested that day. She doesn't get anything real precise, but she just knows that one day her father returns from being in jail, and all of a sudden they moved from being in New York, and they went out to California, and they started to live their lives again. And instead of Sarah Cascione, though, now her name was Sarah Capriglione. And she says that she never actually really thought that differently. She said, well, it's a new place and I have a new name. That sort of makes sense. And she didn't quite understand what had been happening in the lives of her parents up until that point. She just knew that they had to move and then her life began to take a little bit of a different course, but not too drastically. And then one day she decided that she would finally bring this up to her mother. One day she decided that uh, when she was in the car, that she would get up the the gumption to say, uh, well, well, Mom, when Dad was arrested when I was a kid, Why was he arrested? And she says that her mom pulls off to the side of the road and parks in a gas station and pulls out her box of Benson and Hedges and picks one out and lights it up and says, I'm going to need a cigarette for this. And she takes a puff and 
exhales. And she says, well, your father was in prison because, well, he robbed some places. And she goes, oh, that's it? Oh, okay. Well, I, I, okay. I, I guess that, that that makes sense then, that uh, he robbed some places and so he went away to jail for a little while. And that's why we're uh, living under a new name. And, and I guess that all makes sense. And she continues to go about her life for a few more years. And then one year, she finds out that the the New York City Police Department has uh, opened up its records from a certain time of uh, a certain time from the 60s to the 70s. And as they opened up those records, she knew that her father's criminal record would be in those records. And so, and she always had sort of a sense that she needed to check up on this and, and check what was happening. And so she went and she looked up the record. And there she found her father's record. Except it didn't say anything about stealing anything. There was, in, in fact, there wasn't a, a long laundry list of, of different things that he had been convicted for. There was just one thing. Murder. And she thought, oh my goodness, my father is a murderer? And my mother didn't tell me? I grew up all of my life not knowing that this is who was raising me. I I grew up my entire life not knowing who this, this man really was. And so then she asked her mother about it and she said, well, Mom, I, I found out what Dad really did. They, they opened up these records, and I, I found out. And her, her mom was stunned, and she said, D- don't, don't tell your father. He did his best to try to hide this from you. He did his best to try to make sure that this did not affect your life. Don't tell your father. And at the time, her father had just been diagnosed with lung cancer. Don't tell your father. We don't know when he's going to go. Don't, don't tell him that you know this. And so she lived with this secret until her father died. And then after her father died, her mother got sick. And her mother then went into this nursing home. And she was beginning to have some memory problems. And some things were not going right with her head. And all of a sudden, one day, after she had had a stroke, her her mother said, finally opened up and said, you know, I know that you've always been curious about your father. And I know that you found out that he was a murderer. I, I just have to tell you, he didn't murder just one person. And she said, what? She said, no, uh, he, he actually probably murdered about four or five different people. And it, it, it was all business. Uh, he, he was dealing drugs in Miami for a little while. And then after that, then we went up to... Uh, we went up to New York, and the the way that I met him was that he was actually in prison, and uh, I was doing a project at school about uh, how things were coming together for 
prisoners and, and how prisoners were being treated. And I met your father while he was in prison, and we began this sort of relationship. And then when he got out, we got married, and then we had you. And he only got convicted of the one murder, but he told me that, that there had been others. And uh, it, it, he, he never really liked that, but he always saw that as something that he, he had to do. Well, of course, she was just distraught. Now, absolutely, for sure, this person who she thought that she knew was not the person that she thought that she knew. All of a sudden, everything about her father had been turned upside down. Everything that she thought she had known about her father was put into question. And so she took a few more months to think about it. And on the day of her mother's funeral, she finally came to this epiphany. She came to this epiphany. She said, you know, I may not have known what my father was being arrested for when I was a kid. I may not have even known what my father's real last name was until later on. I may not have known that my father had murdered one person, and I may not have known until much, much later that there were even more people that my father had murdered. But what I do know about my father is that my father was the person who would cook me pancakes in the morning. What I do know about my father is that my father, when he would drive me to school, he would make up these silly songs and we would sing them together. What I do know about my father is my relationship with him. And maybe there are things in my life that I can't know for sure. But I can know for sure that he loved me. This is Advent 4. It's all of the readings are focused on how we can know what we know. It's kind of epistemology Sunday. It's a Sunday where we're presented with this audacious seemingly impossible thing to have faith in. That when we celebrate Christmas in just a few days, that what we're celebrating there is that God loves us. And all of the things that surround that seem to almost challenge our thinking. When that little baby is born in a manger, we are challenged to think that he is God. He's born to parents that don't seem to really get it together in the way that most couples, even during their time, do. He's born in not a, a sterile environment, not in a home, but rather born in a manger. Born in sort of seeming obscurity. 
to a virgin who shouldn't be having a baby at all. And so, just like Sarah, in a way, we're, we're presented with these competing stories. And the competing stories about Jesus don't have to do with some sort of sinister life that he lived before, but they are still competing just like those stories were. How can we understand the God who is holy and above all in the universe to be so lowly and born in a manger? How can we make sense of this. And in reality, how can we be sure? How can we be sure that what we're celebrating isn't just Santa Claus and candy canes? How can we be sure that what we're celebrating isn't just a good myth? We can't be. When it comes right down to it, the kind of assurances that we look for so often, we just can't be sure. Just in the same way that Sarah knew that she couldn't be sure that anything that her mother ever said to her was actually the case. She just couldn't be sure about that. She always knew that there was some other revelation to be had. But deep down inside, what Sarah knew is the same thing that we know about Jesus Christ. It's the same way that we approach him and we find assurance in who he is for us. And that is that there is always more to the story. God is a God who likes to reveal himself, but he doesn't reveal himself all at once. If he did, we would already be in the resurrection. But God instead likes to show himself off in a way that feels natural to us as human beings. When you get to know a friend or if you think back to when you were first getting to know your spouse, and hopefully this is still the case, if you have that friend or if you have that spouse, that you're continuing to get to know them piece by piece, that you know that there is an assurance that you have that every conversation that you have with that person, the next conversation, you are going to find something out about them. That is the assurance that you have from God. Not that you're going to know everything about him. But that every time you hear those sweet words of forgiveness spoken to you, every time you taste his body and his blood in communion, every time that you remember your baptism, every time that you open up the scriptures, you find that he is right there revealing the next part of the story. And you can have assurance in that. 
Amen.